Hi everyone, this is Pastor Tim, and I'm really excited to be able to share again with you today. And we're finishing a series that we started three weeks ago called Generosity, and it, generosity really is the key uh, to being blessed in order to be a blessing. And that's really our purpose in life, that God has created us to be fruitful and to multiply his image on the earth. And so to do that, we need to stay and remain under his covering as our sovereign Lord and sovereign King. We look to God as our provider for everything. And when we trust in God, we are positioning ourselves right underneath his blessing and his favor to pour freely out into us, through us, and to the world and in all the different platforms that God has given us, our friendships, our places of interest, where we live, where we work, wherever we are, wherever a child of God is on the earth, they are to be multiplying and being fruitful for the kingdom of God, right? And so to be that blessing, we have to first be blessed. And to be blessed, we need to trust in God, not trust in ourselves. So that's kind of a quick summary of the first two weeks. In the Garden of Eden, when we broke off from God to do things our way, we were cursed in our independence because as soon as we leave our source of life, who is God, what remains is death, right? And independence, a human being who is going rogue from God, independent from God, saying to God, I don't need you, I'm gonna do this on my own, is under the curse of death because there is no other life except in God himself. So the tithe, which is what we've been focusing on the last two weeks, and today we're going to move beyond that, but the tithe is the tool that God has given us to reverse that curse, reverse the independence where all the pressure is on us to make means, you know, to ends meet, to, to provide for ourselves, to work hard, to strive, to toil. The words in Genesis are like thorns, thistles, sweat, toil, pain. You know, it's reversing that by returning to God as our source and our provider by trusting in him and not trusting in ourselves. That's really what the tithe is all about. So uh, again, a quick review on the tithe. The tithe is, technically, it's a tenth of your first uh, the first tenth of all increase, and God says, that's mine. And as we said in the last couple of weeks, why is it God's? Why does God say, bring that back to me? Because it brings us out of independence, out of pride, out of greed, out of self-sufficiency, and it keeps reminding us, and we keep giving our heart back to God and saying, God, thank you that you are my provider, not me. Yes, I did the work, <clears throat> but you gave me the ability to work. Yes, I showed up, but you gave me the breath to breathe. You gave me the strength. You gave me the ingenuity. You gave me the opportunity. And so everything that comes in, we see is from God by recognizing God with the tithe, okay? So it's the first and the best. And then when we bring that to God, we believe the rest, according to his scriptures and his promises to us, will be blessed, supernaturally blessed. Does it make sense? Blessed. And so that's why I've been sharing this with you because this is not because God needs your money, but you need to trust in God. When you trust in God instead of yourself, the blessings of heaven are released into your life. And I want to see everyone blessed. I want to see you blessed and your children and your family. And I want to see the people that you're around blessed because God has blessed you with an overflowing blessing to be fruitful and to multiply his love his goodness, his freedom, his healing, his life all around you and through you with him 
partnering with you. Okay, amen? That's what we've been talking about. Now, today, I also want to just talk for a couple minutes about stewardship versus ownership. Especially in this country, America, we have been so blessed. We are so prosperous. We are in the top, you know, 1% of the wealthiest people on the planet. I mean, when I was talking with my friend uh, Benu a few years ago when he was here on a visit from India, we were just driving down a random road in our community. And I said, Benu, what, what, it was, what would that house right there um, be in value to you in India. He said, oh, that would be, you would be a millionaire in India if you owned a home like that. He said, in fact, you guys have homes for your cars. Think about that. They're called garages. Uh, most people in India, we're, we're um, in the outskirts of the main cities. They don't have homes. They don't have a car, let alone a home for their car. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we are so blessed here in our country, and yet we still look for ways to complain about what we don't have. Because we're infected with greed, we're infected with lust, you know, but also we're infected with pride, okay? And the idea of stewardship versus ownership is a hard concept for an American, really, to understand. And it's this, you don't own anything. Yeah, you don't, yeah, you may say, well, hold on a minute, hold on. I made this. I created this. I worked hard for this. This is mine. And I'm here to tell you, biblically, the world, biblical worldview is you don't own anything. You are a steward of what God has placed into your hands. I know that you've worked hard. I know that you've uh, put your time in. I know that you've sweat for some of the things that you have. But I'm just telling you, the biblical worldview is that all things belong to God. You belong to God. Everything that you think you have belongs to God. And we are not owners. We are stewards. We are stewards of all the resources that God has blessed some of us with a lot of, God, a lot of his resources. So there is a responsibility upon us to not only enjoy the blessing of God to meet our current needs in ourselves and our family, but to realize that the excess or the abundance of our blessing is also not meant just for us, but for God's purposes on the earth and for the needs of those around us. That is God's design for your life. So you are a steward. You're not an owner, okay? Psalm 24, 1 just says it very bluntly. It says this, the earth is the Lord's <laughs> and everything in it. And to repeat, in Hebrew, they like to repeat things in a different way to bring extra emphasis. So the psalmist repeats it and he says, the world and all who live in it. Okay, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So what's left out of that statement? Nothing, right? God owns it all and he owns you, he owns me, he owns all of creation. He is the creator of all things. And yet in his goodness and mercy, he provides for us. He entrusts us with resources to meet our needs and to be a distributor of those resources to the needs around us. It is a fascinating game plan that God has for us. And when we give and when we live a life of generosity and when we do what we are made to do, it actually creates more happiness, more satisfaction and more fulfillment in our lives than if we hoarded that stuff and used it all up on ourselves. I mean, and that, that, that's not even just a biblical thing. That's a scientific thing, right? It, it, everybody knows that you're happier when you're giving 
and your blessing and you make an impact in somebody's life than if you just kept it to yourself. Our life shrinks when we become self-centered, doesn't it? But our life expands, our meaning, our purpose, our joy expands when we begin to meet the needs of those around us and we have a purpose that's making a difference. And that's God's plan for your life, to be fruitful and to multiply on the earth, to be blessed, to be, say it, a blessing. <laughs> All right, that's the whole idea here. And so the idea or the attitude of a owner says this, mine, 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 mine. That's mine, right? I worked for that. I deserved that. I, I, and, 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 it's, and it's possessive and it's collecting and it's protecting. Okay, that's the mindset of an owner, right? But the mindset of a steward, um, and I would say owner is like a closed fist, right? Holding on, gripping on, I earned it. That's mine, 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 mine. And we see that in the sandbox, you know, of every five-year-old playing with a friend. Now, once in a while, there's a confrontation and there's a grab and there's a, a, a word that comes out and says, that's mine, <laughs> right? I don't want to share it. That's mine. Now, we, we do that in different ways as adults, but that's the self-centered attitude that's from our sinful nature. But the attitude of a steward is totally different. It's open-handed. It's, this is yours, right? This isn't mine. I'm not clinging to it, but God, you have passed this through my hands for a purpose. Some of this blessing is to meet my needs, my wife's needs, my kids' needs, my family needs. Thank you, God, for helping me and for providing for me, right? But also, Lord, there's, there's more here, and you have a purpose for that. What is your purpose, Lord? Why, why do I have this great opportunity? Why do I have these gifts and talents? Why do I have this time? What do you want me to do with my time, God? What do you want me to do with my talents? What do you want me to do with these passions? You see, all of that is from God for a purpose. And when we activate those things in, in alignment with God's plan for our life, we come alive. We are never more alive than when we are living out God's plan for our life. So I'm really trying to encourage you to be courageous, to come out of a world's mindset of owning things, possessing things, collecting things, and live a life of generosity. This is a core value of the, of the Christian experience on the earth that causes us to come alive, but it's all based in our trusting in God. So I'm hoping that you're being encouraged to trust in God. It's an open hand living uh, way of doing things. Jesus told this story. And I want to read this story for you out of man, or chat, Luke chapter 12. I'm sorry, about a man who had some good things going, okay? Uh, he must have been a farmer. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, Jesus tells this parable or this story. He says, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Wow, what a great problem to have. How many of you like to have that problem, right? My barns are full, my bank accounts are full, my cupboards are full, and I got all this surplus, right? I've had a bumper crop year. I just got this huge bonus. I got all this money or whatever. How many of you like to have that problem, right? Yeah, and that's a good problem to have as long as you know what to do and how to solve that problem. And Jesus is about to show us uh, the wrong way to solve that problem, okay? Because this man lost his purpose. And so let's read what happened. He says, I don't know what to do. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, self, <laughs> you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. 
take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. What was this guy's idea? What was his reason to live? Himself, right? What's he going to do with all this surplus? Oh, it's my crops, my goods, you know, my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to store up even more than I'm going to take life easy. This is all for moi, all for me, right? Did you hear all those words he was saying? I think I just said them, my barns, my grain, my goods, myself, my crops. And he's got a completely worldly, self-centered, self-pleasure, self-promoting and, uh, and self-preserving attitude. And he thinks all of this is for him. And this is God's response. Again, this is Jesus telling the story. So it's got some punch to it. Jesus is trying to make a point. He always makes his point at the end of the story. So listen carefully. He says, but God said to him, you fool, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You have missed the point of your life. You have missed the point of the blessing. The blessing sure was to take care of your needs. But beyond that, not your greeds, but the needs of those around you. And God wants to bless us so much so that we are a blessing. We can't forget the second half of the purpose of why God wants to bless us. So here's what Jesus's final uh, truth point here is to this story. He says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. And so Jesus is saying, and he taught out of the 38 parables, 16 of them uh, are about money or issues like this of the heart, where greed gets in the way of what God has for us. And so Jesus is saying, this is how it will be for someone who doesn't get it. All they're doing is storing up things for themselves and they're not rich toward God. Now, to be rich toward God, that phrase meant to be generous, to be kind and to take care of the needs of those around you. To see the point of your life is to be replicating God's goodness to those around us, right? to see the point of, of this whole message, to be blessed, to be a blessing. So Jesus is like, if you forget that and you think this is all about you and whoever dies with the most toys wins, you're a fool. You missed it, right? As I said last week, Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you don't save your life by trying to save your life. You actually give it away and then you're going to find it because that's how God designed us to experience this life. As we give it, we find it. As we give, we get Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that is true. As we give, as we invest, as we, as we um, you know, reach out and do what God's called us to do, and we see ourselves as a steward and we're doing what God's called us to do, we find our purpose. We find our joy. We, we see the impact around us in lives that are being changed. So this is the heart of God. And this is the heart of this series is to loose you uh, into the blessings of God with the right mindset so that you can continue to be a great blessing. It starts with the tithe, but it doesn't end there. So I want to close, not really closing, but I am going to my final point, which is a long one, about sowing and reaping. The principles of sowing and reaping. Because this is a spiritual law that we see in existence and Jesus even taught about it. Before we do that, let me read 1 Timothy Chapter 6, verses 17 and 19. Kind of relates to the story of the guy with the barns. 
Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Do you see the contrast Paul's making? We can put our hope in money, but it's not going to be uh, a good place to put your hope because it's, it's not dependable. Or we can put our hope in God, who will also richly provide us with everything for our enjoyment, everything that we need. He goes on to say, command people, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, right? That's being, that's being uh, rich toward God, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. This is how you unlock the, the full blessings of, of the kingdom of God in your life, to be generous, to be doing what God's called you to do and God will continue to bless you. Paul says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, we're not going to get into a self-centered, greedy, lustful life and squeeze for life and find our grip to be empty, but we are going to live an open-handed, generous, adventurous life of trusting in God to bless us, to be a blessing, and then we will find and grip a hold of real life. That's what Jesus is saying, or that's what Paul is saying here. But it also mimics some words that Jesus mentioned to us in a different passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6. Listen to these words. I'm sure you're familiar with this, this passage when Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So there's a contrast. We can have barns full of stuff here or we can store up things in heaven, treasures in heaven. And he tells us how to do that. He says we're in heaven. You don't have moss. You don't have rust destroying things. You don't have thieves breaking in and stealing. And, and yet when we do good here with what God has given us, we take the treasures of earth, we distribute those as God shows us, we are then laying up treasures in heaven. Okay? So you either get treasures here on earth which spoil and don't go with you, or you use the treasures on earth to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Okay? For all eternity. So Jesus said this. It's very important to understand this phrase. He always gives these amazing statements at the end of what he's trying to say. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mentioned this at the end of my message last week. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. You know, it's not about that. God wants your heart. But God knows this. Wherever your money and wherever your time and wherever your energy goes, that's where your heart goes. Do you see that? That's the whole point of the tithe. And that's the whole point of this series is to remind us that every time that we have an increase and every time that we have blessings, we are to see this is God. And we need to give that tithe back to God and then give those other resources wherever God wants them to go so that our heart goes to God and that we are, we are protected against that, that sinful nature in all of us, that pride, that lust, that greed, that self-independence that we all have. And yet in Christ, we have everything we have everything that we need, everything that we need. So Jesus is reminding us, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God wants your heart. 
He wants your heart. So let's talk about sowing and reaping. There's two passages of scripture that I'm going to highlight, maybe three. One of them is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 6 through 8 and verses 10 to 11. Another is Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. And another one will be Luke chapter 6, verses 36 to 38. Now, the law of sowing and reaping, Jesus taught about this in these passages, um, or he taught about them in other areas. But these passages, I think, are being taught mostly uh, by Paul. The Luke one is by Jesus. But I want to give you just three real clear statements and try to, try to unpack this a little bit. Number one, you reap what you sow. Now, we've all said that. A lot of people don't realize that this is actually a scripture verse, but um, we know this in nature. We know this in life. It's an obvious, I don't know what we'd call it. I call it a spiritual law, but it's also a natural law. So when we go as farmers and, or gardeners and we plant beans, we reap beans. We don't reap watermelons, right? And when we plant corn, we get corn. So when we plant, though, kindness, we get kindness. When we plant a smile, you know, we smile at someone, we're kind to someone, we get a smile. And when we sow or we plant, right? That's the same word for sowing. When we sow or plant anger, criticism, hatred, we get the same things back. We know this. We try to teach children this idea so that they'll be kind to one another. And so they'll experience good friendships and they'll experience those same kind things coming back. But the corollary to this statement I want to make as well, just to point out another part of this uh, idea. You do not reap what you do not sow. Okay, so think about that for a second. We do not reap what we do not sow. I talked to a lot of people, especially this year, that are lonely uh, because of the circumstances. We're not around people as much to protect ourselves and that sort of thing. But in the past, even, I've talked with people about this idea of friendships. A lot of times we're, people are always looking for a good friend. And if you're looking for a good friend and you feel lonely, you feel neglected, you feel like you don't have any good friends, then I want to challenge you with this idea of sowing and reaping and say this. If you want a friendship, then sow friendship. Don't wait for a friendship to show up. You be a friend and you'll have a friend. So let me say that again. You do not reap what you do not sow. If we're standing around waiting for a friend just to show up, but we're not sowing friendship to anyone, uh, how do you expect to have a friend? Do you see? So we reap what we sow, but we also don't reap what we don't sow. And so keep that in mind with all areas of your life. So Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. Now, this is a, either a really positive uh, you know, effect, or it could be a real negative effect, right? Depending on what you're sowing and, uh, and what you're not sowing. But you can use this in a positive way to sow the right things in your life so you'll reap the right things in your life. All right? Also, Jesus says it this way in cha uh, Luke chapter 6. He says, be merciful as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do you see the sowing and reaping? And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. So Jesus is teaching sowing and reaping right now. He goes on to say, give, and it will be given to you. And then he kind of goes into what I consider our second statement or principle about sowing and reaping. 
And he says this, they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Okay, now, I think this is an analogy to the marketplace that Jesus and his listeners were very familiar to. If you've ever been to a marketplace where they're selling uh, grain and wheat and beans and things like that, back in this, this day, they would basically use their outer garment or they could use some sort of a uh, basket to, to purchase these items, right? And if you've ever gone to the uh, movie theater and you get popcorn, um, this is the best analogy I can think of. You know, when, usually where I go, when I get popcorn, they put the popcorn in, right? And what do they do? They tap the bucket, they shake the bucket, and they just keep scooping more on top. And they tap the bucket and shake the bucket and scoop it and scoop it. And then popcorn just trickles off the top and it's overflowing and it's falling on the floor. And you grab it and some of it's falling and it's awesome, right? That's what Jesus is saying. All right, but then we go to the store and we buy a bag of potato chips. <laughs> and the bag's this big, right? It's this big. And you're like, oh, look at those chips. I can't wait to open those chips. And we open it up. As soon as we open the bag up, it's half gone already, <laughs> right? And it's like, where's all the chips? Okay, so that's the opposite, right? So Jesus is saying, when you give, the measure which you use will be measured to you. And even more so, it'll be given back to you pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be given back to you. So here's the second principle of sowing and reaping. When you plant a little seed in your garden this spring and it comes up in a couple of months, you're not going to get one little bean. You're not going to get one kernel of corn. You're not going to get one tomato out of that tomato plant seed. You're going to get more than you planted, right? Abundantly more. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And that's how nature works, but that's also how the supernatural works with the resources from heaven. When we give, okay, and it is directed by God because it's his resources and we give to this or we put, we give our time to that or we, we give our energy to this or we give some money to that as God is showing us and we live a generous lifestyle, we are going to reap a return that is abundantly more. And this is how God works as we obey and trust in him and we give. It comes back to us and we give and it comes back to us. And that's God's plan and purpose. If you're not experiencing these waves of, gener of, of, of blessing, it might be because you're not experiencing or trusting in God to plant and invest your seed. Your seed is not meant to all be eaten up. It's not meant to be all used up by you, you see. And that's kind, of, uh, kind of shows in a different scripture I'm going to get to in a minute. But the second principle here is you reap proportionately more than what you sow. You reap proportionately more than what you sow. And uh, Jesus, you know, or uh, I think Paul puts it a little bit differently. He says, you sow a little, you reap a little. You sow much, you reap much, Right. And so keep that in mind, because if you really want to unlock the blessings of God, we trust God with the tithe, but then we begin to be stewards of everything else that he's given us. And as we give with trust and faith and excitement, then it unlocks and the wave of sowing and reaping comes back to us and we're more blessed. But we're not more blessed to be able to eat more, get fat and lazy and build bigger barns and die. We are more blessed to be more of a blessing. And so this is the heart 
that God wants us to have. And when he finds that heart and he sees that obedience and a heart that's trusting in him, man, he just keeps blessing and blessing because he can trust you to get that blessing to the people and to the causes that he wants to get it to. Isn't that awesome? That's why I say this is a great adventure for us to be able to live life this way. It also sets us free from all that self-striving, all that toil, all that pain, all those thorns and all those thistles, all that sweating of the brow that the curse is, is on for those who are going to say, I'm going to do it. If it's up to me, it's, it's, it, if it's going to be, it's up to me attitude, right? God wants to set you free from all that stress and strain and striving. That's under the curse, but under God and trusting in him, man, there is blessing and there is rest and there is joy and there is more than enough provision for everything that we need, okay? The third one that I, I want to share with you is you reap after you sow. You reap after you sow, right? So it, you don't wait for something to happen and then you say, oh, okay, now that I got all that or now that that's happened, now I will be generous. No, no, no. You sow first and then you reap you know, the benefits of that. And because you have to sow every gardener, every farmer, and everybody who's doing this in the spiritual sense has to have something, right, to sow. That is faith. You have to have faith. You have to believe that when I do this, there's going to be a return. That's going to be worth it, right? I'm trusting in the process. And so reaping always comes after a process of sowing and nurturing and trusting and releasing, right? Jesus put it this way, until the seed uh, goes into the ground and dies, until it dies, it will not produce any fruit. And he was talking about himself and he was a seed. He planted himself into the grave for you and for me. And when he died, he paid a penalty that then could be fruitful for you and for me as we accept that gift of love and sacrifice for our sins. We come alive. Now the fruitfulness of Jesus's life is for everyone who's placed faith in him is now eternally saved. If you haven't done that yet, I, I pray that you'll make that decision today to give your life to Jesus because he planted his life. He gave his life. He sowed his life. He died so that you could be resurrected. You could have new life in him. This isn't just like about money. This is the core issue of our lives that Jesus says, as I have loved you, so love one another. He is telling us we need to see life this way. It's not about us. It is about us following his example and laying our lives down for others as well. That includes our money. It includes our time. It includes our energy. And we are not living life for ourselves. We are living a generous life. A generous life is putting the needs of those around you at the forefront, meeting them, reaching out, making a difference, right? As we do that, we come alive and we're continually blessed to be a blessing until we get to heaven. That's the goal that God has for each and every one of us. He wants us to experience the incredible highs of making a difference, giving our life away and making it count. Love is the greatest thing you could ever do. And God is love and God is in you and God wants to love through you. Amen. So as we kind of conclude this uh, message, I think sometimes of uh, like a three-tiered fountain. 
And at the top is God and he's flowing his blessing over and we're the next tier down and his blessing comes from heaven and God pours his blessing out on me and I'm like, wow, this is great. And my needs are met and I trust in God and he's good to me. But he overflows his blessing. My trade runs over. The psalmist says, my cup runneth over, right? And now I am to be a blessing to those around me. And the third final tier in that, in that fountain is the impact that my life can make to those around me and those that God's called me to impact. And what he's called me to do with my time and my life, my energy, my ideas, my money, my resources, my houses, my cards, whatever. What is God? It's God's, right? What does God want to do? And as we trust in him, we will have a great adventure and never lack anything that we ever need. Here's what 2 Corinthians 9 uh, says, verses 6 through 8 and 10 through 11. Paul says, now I say this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows generously will also reap generously. So each one must do just as he's decided in his, in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion or pressure, because God loves a cheerful giver. This isn't religion. This is what God has called us to do. It's what God puts in our hearts to do. And we do it with cheerfulness, knowing God's got me. This is all his. And that as God's directed me now to use these resources, that means a whole bunch more new resources are coming my way. So it's a cheerful adventure because we know God's got everything that we ever need. So Paul says that very thing in verse eight. He says, and God is able to make all grace overflow, overflow to you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. I mean, he is just like throwing all, every abundance, overflowing all these words. Like there is no lack in God. You will never lack in God and you won't just make it. There will be an overflowing, an abundance for everything that you need and every good deed God's calling you to do. He goes on to say, now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So two things here. God gives us um, the food that we need, the needs that we need, but he also gives us seed for a purpose to sow. Did you hear that? He who supplies seed to the sower, the one who's sowing is the one who gets the seed. If you're not a sower, you're not going to get much seed. If God doesn't see you being a sower, he's not going to trust with you a lot of seed. If you're just an eater, why would God give you more seed if you're just going to eat it all, right? But when God sees a sower, he gives more seed to the sower because that sower is going to get that resource or those blessings to the needs that God puts on their heart as directed by the Holy Spirit. So you got to keep that in mind. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. So what this is saying is God is going to bless the sowers with even more seed because they're going to keep sowing. This is really cool. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, this idea of righteousness in this particular sentence is actually about giving. And so God's going to increase the effectiveness of your giving, the harvest or the fruitfulness of what you are sowing. This is so cool. So this is the adventure God invites all of us on to trust in him, to be blessed, to be a blessing. And as we trust in him, God blesses us. As we then allow God to use what he's blessed us with, and so we get the great adventure and the joy of seeing our life become fruitful and multiplying. And God continues to bless and multiply the seed to the sowers. Be a sower. Don't just eat your seed. 
jump on the joy of this journey and be a sower of the resources, the time, the energy, the days that you have, the resources that you have. You don't own any of it. You're a steward. If you join God in this journey, you will never have a greater adventure. It's so much fun and uh, it's so much better to live in rest and peace and joy than it is in striving and sweat and toil. To be able to make an impact in people around you instead of just looking at yourself all the time. So as I conclude this message, I want to just draw your attention to a final passage in Scripture in Hebrews. It's talking about rest. And this is really the main point of this message uh, or of the series. Is that there is a rest for you and for me to enter. When God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he wanted to bring them into the promised land. And the promised land is referred to as a place of rest where God provided everything they needed. They would, they would have the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. There would be an abundance. There would be this, this uh, rest from their enemies. There would be this uh, inheritance of the land. And they would come into all the promises of God. But they didn't get there. And in Hebrews chapter 4, we, we read the reason they didn't get there was because they disobeyed. They had unbelief. They didn't trust in God. It's the same today. It's the same with this message. It's the same with this series. There is a rest for all of us. There is a reverse to the curse of independence for all of us. It begins with returning to God and trusting in Him. But trust is proved through obedience. If we don't obey God, we're not trusting Him. And so when we obey God, we show we're trusting Him. We are coming under His provision. We enter into the rest that God has for us. The Bible says this, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, his self-sufficiency, just as God did from his work. So verse 11 says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. I pray that this series has been helpful to you to understand your purpose in life and uh, the deceptiveness of riches and wealth and money, and the importance of us trusting in God as our provider, not ourselves. As we do, God will bless you, and you will be a blessing, and it'll be a great life to live, and you'll look back and see all the impact that you've had that God allowed to have in you and through you, and it'll be so much fun for you and so more satisfying than any other life that you could live for yourself. Today, before I close, I want to pray for those of you who want to get right with God. I mentioned a few minutes ago that you could place your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins because he planted his life. He gave his life for you and for me. So if you're watching this and you need to get right with God, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Just say this prayer with me right now. Say it in your heart. If you're, you know, if you're wherever you are, just say this and agree with me that this is your desire. Okay, say, Jesus, thank you that you love me. And that you gave your life to save mine. You didn't hold on to your life. You didn't spend it on yourself. You gave it away. You gave it away for me. You paid for my sin. And today I receive the forgiveness of my sins. Because you paid for them on the cross. You rose again. So that I also can have eternal life in you as well. So today, Jesus, I place my faith in you. I call you my Lord and my Savior. 
And I pray that you help me to grow and to learn and to be just like you. I pray this in Jesus' name, in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. I also want to just pray for us as we conclude this series that God's blessing would be upon you. And read Deuteronomy chapter 28. There's so many beautiful blessings that God wants to pour out on your life. Lord, as we turn our life over to you and we release ownership to anything that we have claimed as our own and we see ourselves as your stewards and as we trust in you, Lord, with the tithe and then we begin to look at our life and our resources and our time and our abilities and we live with an open hands towards you, Lord, I just thank you for the promises of your word for each one watching this as they step out in faith that your blessings will be upon them, that there'll be an open heaven over them and you'll pour out so much of a blessing upon them. There will not be room enough for them to contain. In other words, Lord, they will become a flowing blessing to the people around them and everywhere you point them to. Thank you, God, that you called us to be the top and not the bottom, the head and not the tail, to be blessed in our coming and going, no matter where we are. Lord, you also said that you'd bless the work of our hands. So as we press forward into this day, into this week, Lord, as we're trusting in you, we pray that you will lead us and guide us with the resources you have given us, that we'll be generous on all occasions, looking for how you want to bless people through us, knowing you will continue to bless us and meet every need that we ever have. It's in you, Jesus, that we pray, we believe, and we trust, and we have life in, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you can make it to church next week for Easter if you can. Uh, we have two services at 9 o'clock and 11. If not, I'm going to be doing another video, as, as especially for Easter next week for you as well. But if you can make it, we'd love to see you and celebrate the Resurrection Sunday with you. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, his peace in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.